It doesn't matter what you come to me with. It doesn't matter if you come to me with leprosy. It doesn't matter if you come to me with demon possession. It doesn't matter if you come to me with some sort of genetic disease that you were born with. It doesn't matter. Because all who come to me will receive the same healing, which is to say you will be healed as though you never had the disease. You'll be healed as though you never had the injury or the infirmity. Because we must start with the recognition that you need me, that you need my intervention into your life, that you need my intervention into your soul. And so these people are demonstrating that they understand we need Jesus's intervention. So they're running and they're getting the sick and they're bringing the sick to them. And as they bring the sick to them, or as they bring the sick to Jesus, what they are showing, they're displaying that they believe at least three things about Jesus. They believe, first of all, that He is accessible to them. They believe that when they bring the sick to Jesus, they will be able to get to Jesus. That He is, first of all, accessible. Secondly, they believe that He is willing. That they won't bring the sick to Jesus and Jesus will turn His back, unwilling to do anything for them. Instead, they believe that He is willing. And then thirdly, we're going to see that they believe that He has the power. So three things that show us very important truths about saving faith. Saving faith is a way of, is a, is a casting of our soul, a casting of one's whole soul without reservation upon Christ with the confidence that He is, number one, accessible to the sinner. Number two, willing to receive the sinner. And number three, able to save the sinner. So let's walk through the passage and we'll see these three things. First of all, from verse 50, well, we'll start back at 52 again, or 53. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and more to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might even touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. We, we must just read that passage and just marvel at the accessibility that Jesus makes of himself to these people. It might be easy to just pass over this and just think, well, here's Jesus making his way and people are coming to him left and right and they can eventually get up to him and the crowds are big, but as long as you wait long enough, you'll, you can eventually get to Jesus. Instead, what we should see here quite plainly is that Mark has set us up from early on in the gospel to understand something about the size of these crowds and something about the nature of these crowds. Remember, as Jesus said, we need to have a boat just in case I need to escape in case the crowd's about to crush me. We talked about crowd mentality and crowds, how crowds can sometimes work. And so the crowds that Jesus, that Mark is describing for us are so voluminous, so large, so many people that we must conclude that in order for all who came to Jesus to be able to touch him, Jesus had to purposely and intentionally make himself accessible to all who came. There were none who came to Jesus and spent three days trying to get to him. 
and then just had to turn around and go back home because they couldn't wait any longer and they just couldn't get to Jesus. All who came to Him were healed. There were none who came to Jesus who left disappointed. All who came to Him were able to access Jesus. And something there is very important for us to see about the accessibility of our Messiah. Jesus makes Himself supremely accessible to all who would come to Him. All who are come to Him, as He says in John chapter 6, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And of all who come to me, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15, Jesus came into the world to save sinners and His mission to save sinners meant that He would make Himself accessible to all who came to Him, both those who come to Him for spiritual healing and the much, much larger crowds that come to Him for physical healing. There's not one instance in all the Gospels of anyone who came to Jesus for physical healing and was turned away. Not one. At the, at the least... There are, that, of course, the story of Jesus who first forgives the sins of the paralytic before healing him, but no one comes to Jesus for physical healing and is turned away because He makes Himself accessible to all who come to Him. And this is good news. This is the good news of the God who has become man. The crowds are coming. The crowds are pressing in on Him. There's people everywhere. There's crowds everywhere. But Jesus just makes it a purposeful and intentional point that He will be accessible to all who come. There is none who come to Jesus and say, I wanted to get to Jesus, I just couldn't. I was just blocked by the crowds. I was blocked by these people that were in my way or I just didn't have the time to get to Him. None who came to Him were turned away. As He says, all who come to Me, they will never be cast out. And that is good news. Because the sinner must believe that we have a rescuer who will make himself accessible to all who come. The sinner must know that they are coming to a rescuer, that they don't have to take a number and wait in line, and they don't have to hope that they're one of the ones near the front of the line that they can get to Jesus. The sinner comes to Jesus knowing all who come to him, he will not turn any away. The disciple who walks with Jesus must know that whoever turns to Him will find Him facing you with arms open. None will turn to Jesus to find His back turned. No matter how long you have neglected Him, no matter how long you have failed to pray, no matter how cold you feel that your heart has grown to Him, if you are His child and you turn to Him, you will find His arms open and His face glowing to receive you because none come to Him and find His back turned. None come to Him and find Him inaccessible. The sinner and the disciple must both know that when we come to our rescuer, we are coming to one who makes Himself supremely accessible. Secondly, we see how Jesus, makes it, Jesus is completely willing to heal all who come to Him. His willingness to heal all is something that is quite remarkable in the passage. All who come to Him and all who touch Him are made well, and all who come are allowed to come to Him. The willingness of Jesus to heal is so quite remarkable here. Let's remind ourselves of the recent context. The disciples were sent out for this initial sending out period They come back so weary, so physically weary, so mentally and emotionally weary, so spiritually weary. Jesus says to him, look, let's get away. 
you haven't even had time to eat, but let's get away so that you may rest. Meanwhile, Jesus has been doing that for well over a year and a half now. The crowds that have flocked around Jesus every day have been consistent. Jesus nevertheless says, let's go, let's get some rest. So they go across the lake for this day of rest. The day of rest never came, did it? Instead, it was a day of work. It was a day of long ministry work into the night. And then as the night begins, they set out on the sea, rowing across, even rowing across calm waters would have been a night of work, but they row into the storm, into the waves all night. Meanwhile, Jesus prays all night. Jesus didn't sleep the night before. Now they get to the land the next day. Jesus has now been going at this pace for over a year. And remember back in the day of healing at Capernaum, as the people came to him, we made note there that Jesus, Jesus wasn't this healing machine. Jesus wasn't a healing vending machine. That if you just came and put a couple of quarters in the slot and pushed your number, then out came a healing. Instead, the Gospels present Jesus' healing work as something that extracts something from Him. Something is taken. Something is required of Jesus. We don't know. The, the hypostatic union, the union of Christ, the Son of God, and man, the union of those two natures are such that we can never comprehend that. So there is so much that we don't understand about the man Jesus. But what we do understand is that the healing activity in which Jesus engaged took something from Him. It required something of Him. It exhausted Him in some type of a way. And so that night of healing, all night long, as He wanted to touch everyone who came to Him, and each one took something from Him. The woman who touches the hem of His garment, He turns around and He says, I felt power go out from me. So all of these healings take something. They require something of Him. And yet He is supremely willing for all who come to Him. Come unto me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly of heart and you will find rest for your souls. He is willing for all who come to Him. There is none who ever come to Jesus in faith and repentance who find Him unwilling to receive them. The leper said, to Jesus back in chapter 1, if you are willing, you are make, you can make me clean. And Jesus must have looked at him and shook his head and said, oh, I am so willing. I am so willing. That's why I came. None come to Jesus in faith and repentance and find him unwilling to receive them. So the, the sinner and the disciple must both understand the good news Oh, it is good news, isn't it? That our Master is willing for all, all who come to Him. We understand we, that all who come to Him find Him willing. Every sinner who comes to Him in faith and repentance finds Him willing. Every disciple who comes to Him in belief and trust and says to Him, I want more of you, we all find Him willing to give all of Himself. Such good news that we see here in the passage. But then thirdly, we also see the good news of the power of Jesus. All who came to Him were made well. There were none who came to Jesus who were not made well. 
What that means is it didn't matter what they what the infirmity was. It didn't matter what the sickness was. It didn't matter if it was a sickness that they were born with and they've now lived with it for 55 years. It didn't matter if it was a malformation of the body that was prior to their birth and now they've learned they've lived with legs that don't work for their whole life or maybe it was a sickness that came on the week before last. Maybe it was an injury they suffered at work 2 weeks ago. It didn't matter. Nor did it matter the severity of it. It didn't matter if it was a genetic defection. Or it didn't matter if it was like Peter's mother-in-law, a fever that had her in the bed. It didn't matter. There is no faith healer that would ever claim such as that. We all know that these faith, faith healers, we all know the falseness behind that. But even in their false claims, none of them would even claim that. There is no faith healer that would ever claim all who come to me will be healed. It doesn't matter what you come to me with. It doesn't matter if you come to me with leprosy. It doesn't matter if you come to me with demon possession. It doesn't matter if you come to me with some sort of genetic disease that you were born with. It doesn't matter. Because all who come to me will receive the same healing, which is to say you will be healed as though you never had the disease. You'll be healed as though you never had the injury or the infirmity. All who came to Him find power. The power to heal everything that is brought to Him. Hebrews 7 and verse 25, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to Him. Or Isaiah 59 and verse 1, Behold, the the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or His ear dull that it cannot hear. The sinner comes to Him in belief that they're coming to one who has the power to save them. The disciple comes to Jesus in consistent belief that we are coming to the Master that has the power over all of our sin, the power to set us free. And when He sets us free, we are free indeed. We don't come to Him thinking He maybe has the power. The true disciple of Christ comes to Him knowing He has the power over all sin, over all sickness. There is nothing stronger than Him. All who come to Him come to find one accepting, willing to heal, willing to receive all who come to Him in faith and repentance and possessing of all the power that's needed to free them from whatever disease and the story they come to Jesus with or to free us from whatever sin we come to Jesus with. But then lastly in the passage, we see something that tells us of the duty of the disciple, the duty of the believer. Because we can't miss in the passage how it was just this frenzy of loved ones and friends bringing the sick to Jesus, bringing those who can't get to Jesus, bringing them to Jesus. They didn't have the power to heal their loved ones, but they had the power to get them to Jesus. And that's the power that they exercised. They exercised the power to get them to Jesus. Jesus was in the region. He was in the land. We got to get them to Jesus. And that's what they did. We think, of course, of Luke, I'm sorry, John chapter one, how Philip brings Nathaniel to Jesus. Or Luke chapter 14 in the parable, we're told where Jesus says, go to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in. Or most poignantly, I think of Romans chapter 10. How will they call on Him whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in Him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? 
So we see something here of the duty of the disciple, of the duty of the believer to bring to Jesus those who need Jesus. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that we compel people to come into the gathering of God's people and hear the proclamation of His Word? That certainly doesn't hurt. But here's what I think this means. As, as we see this, this physical reality of when Jesus was physically on the earth and people are bringing the sick to Jesus to be physically in His presence. Today the church sees this and the, and the church takes as its exhortation from this passage the exhortation to pray, to bring those to Jesus in prayer. You know, I, I think that we could probably go so far as to say that there's probably not any of us in the room who are in Christ, who came to be in Christ out of some unfounded, by earthly means, unfounded compulsion to open the Bible and start reading it. I think all of us who are in Christ would have to say, we are in Christ because someone prayed for us. Someone, somewhere along the line, prayed. A parent, maybe from early childhood, maybe from before we were born, maybe a friend. Somebody prayed and lifted you up. Now there may be those, we from time to time may come across those other believers, whom God has worked in their life in such a way as they just receive this compulsion from the Holy Spirit to start reading His Word. God is certainly not beyond, that's not beyond God's work. But that is to say that the norm, the normal way in which people are ushered into the kingdom of God is that God moves in their soul believers to pray for those outside of Christ, to bring them metaphorically on the the bed, the pallet of their prayers, bring them into the presence of Jesus. Our prayers don't save anyone, but the believer becomes compelled to usher into the presence of God those who can't come to Him. And bringing them to Jesus in our prayers, we find the same Messiah. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We find Him willing. We find Him accessible. And we find him powerful.